Hey, good morning, Playbookers. I'm Raghuman Avalon. It's Monday, September 13th, and this is your Politico Playbook Daily Briefing. At 1.25 p.m. on January 6th, soon after rioters had broken through barricades outside of the Capitol, Melania Trump received a text message from her then-chief of staff, Stephanie Grisham. It had a question. Do you want to tweet that peaceful protests are the right of every American, but there is no place for lawlessness and violence? A minute later, Melania replied with a one-word answer. No. At that moment, Melania was at the White House preparing for a photo shoot of a rug she had selected. That's according to exclusive excerpts of Grisham's forthcoming book obtained by Politico, titled, I'll Take Your Questions Now, What I Saw in the Trump White House. Grisham, the former Trump White House press secretary best known for never holding a press briefing, is now breaking her silence. And Politico's Daniel Lippman emailed us with a preview. Grisham also writes that she asked Melania a couple times whether she should reach out to Jill Biden during the transition to set up the traditional inauguration tea. But instead of setting up the meeting, Melania told her that they should, quote, see what the West Wing does. According to Grisham, the reason was because Melania, like her husband, believed the election was illegitimate. On January 11th, Melania did issue a statement saying that she was, quote, disappointed and disheartened with what happened last week. But she added that she found it, quote, shameful that surrounding these tragic events, there has been salacious gossip, unwarranted personal attacks, and false misleading accusations on me from people who are looking to be relevant and have an agenda. She seemed to be referring to her former close personal friend, Stephanie Winston Wolkoff who penned an op-ed in the Daily Beast a few days earlier, saying that Melania, quote, was complicit in the destruction of America. Grisham joined the Trump campaign in 2015 and remained with the White House until close to the end. She writes that Melania's response to her text on January 6th broke her, since she had long defended the First Lady against accusations that she was a Marie Antoinette-type dilettante. Now, Grisham writes, she sees Melania like, quote, the doomed French queen, dismissive, defeated, detached. Though it shouldn't be a huge surprise that Melania stood by her husband on important issues like the election, Grisham writes in the book that she was shocked to learn that Melania seemed to share Donald Trump's view that the election was rigged. Melania told Grisham that, quote, something bad happened and that the election results weren't legitimate. She didn't listen to Grisham when she tried to explain to her that there was no grand conspiracy to unfairly remove Trump from office. Grisham's book is scheduled to be released on October 5th. Late last night, lawmakers, Hill aides, and tax lobbyists were sending around a five-page memo outlining House Ways and Means Democrats proposed $2.9 trillion in tax increases. The hikes would amount to be the biggest tax increase in decades, and enough to cover most of what even progressive Democrats hope to spend on their coming reconciliation package. Wall Street Journal's tax reporting veteran Richard Rubin notes that the proposal includes $1 trillion in tax increases on individuals, $900 billion on corporations, $700 billion from drug pricing policy changes, and $120 billion from tougher tax enforcement. Adding miscellaneous other changes and an assumption that the economy will grow reaches $3.5 trillion. The draft by Chair Richard Neal, which will be marked up this week, includes an increase in the corporate rate to 26.5% from 21%. That's less than Biden's proposed 28%, but still higher than the 25% that Senator Joe Manchin has said he's comfortable with. A hike in the capital gains rate to 28.8% from 23.8%, which is already causing heartburn among moderate Democrats. A newly proposed 3% surtax on people making more than $5 million, 
expected to raise about $127 billion, an increase in the minimum tax on U.S. companies' foreign income, up from 16.5% from 10.5%. There's a boost in IRA tax enforcement, though it's unclear how much this will raise. There's $96 billion in new tobacco or nicotine taxes, and what's not included per Rubin. Quote, the document doesn't include any changes to the state and local tax deduction. Raising or repealing the $10,000 cap on the deduction is a priority for many Democrats. It also doesn't mention the Biden administration's proposal to have banks and other financial institutions report annual account flows to the IRS. Also left out, at least for now, an estate tax increase on holdings passed on after someone dies. That's a Biden proposal that has faced intense pushback from Democrats in rural states concerned about family farms. Now, this won't be the final word. Biden and the White House have their own tax proposals they want to pursue. It's clear the two sides are on a collision course on several fronts. Moderate Democrats wary of tax increases are certain to balk at some of these provisions despite their colleagues' attempts to frame the tax hikes, as hitting the rich who can afford to pay more. And Republicans are about to have a field day decrying what they plan to label the biggest tax hike ever. Here's what's up in Washington today, starting with the White House. At 8.10 a.m. Eastern, the president will depart Wilmington, Delaware to head to Boise, Idaho, where he's scheduled to arrive at 11.50 Mountain Time. At 12.15, Biden will receive a briefing from federal and state fire agency officials. At 12.55, Biden will tour the National Interagency Fire Center in Boise. At 1.55, the president will depart Boise for Mather, California, where he's scheduled to arrive at 2.15 Pacific. At 2.40, Biden will receive a briefing on wildfires from local, state, and federal emergency response personnel. At 4.25, Biden will deliver remarks on the wildfires, climate change, and infrastructure. At 4.55, Biden will depart Mather, California to head to Long Beach where he'll arrive at 6.15. And at 7, Biden will participate in a campaign rally with California Governor Gavin Newsom, who faces a recall election tomorrow. Deputy Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre will gaggle aboard Air Force One on the way to Boise. The Senate will meet at 3 p.m. to consider nominations and the motion to proceed to H.R. 1, the For the People Act on voting rights. The House is out today. The Energy and Commerce, Financial Services, Judiciary, and Veterans Affairs Committees will hold markups and reconciliation. Secretary of State Antony Blinken will testify on Afghanistan before the Foreign Affairs Committee at 2 p.m. All right, that's all I've got for you today. For more news on what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter that's at politico.com playbook. Our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Raghu Manavala, and have a great week. I'll see you first thing tomorrow morning. We're rolling. I'm Ryan Heath, and for seven years, I've been running a newsletter about global affairs, covering the CEOs who shape the economy, the lawmakers who set the rules, and the innovators who bend them. In that time, I've gotten to know a lot of them and their world pretty well. What do you think the longest pause is someone's ever taken when you've asked them, like, a really hard question? Oh, that's easy. Um, it was Emmanuel Macron, and I asked him when was the last time he'd built a piece of IKEA furniture. And the dude could not answer the question. I think Tony Blair certainly flirts with his eyes. Is there an airport tip you have? There is an amazing bakery at Copenhagen Airport called Hakasuset. <laughs> I can never say it right. <laughs> now I'm doing a different kind of interview. With the same sources I've kept tabs on for years, more personal conversations that usually happen behind closed doors 
in Davos and the UN. Is it just something that you have to accept is out of your control now? Of course I'm worried. We're doing this in a pandemic. We all have to be worried. Every week, there'll be activists, regulators, business leaders, like NATO's Jens Stoltenberg and Linda Thomas-Greenfield, the US ambassador to the UN. African leaders need to spend more time with their young people and they need to empower them to lead in the future. The balance of power is always shifting. Global Insider is how you keep up. We launch September 15th. See you there. Lauke Husa. Lauke Husa. Lauke Husa. <laughs> we're, we're humans, not robots, so I can't make it sound like the robot. <laughs>